friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets Choo Choo Chings. My name is Lauren, and thank you so much for joining me back here again. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about how to improve your Etsy sales, no matter where you are in the process of building your Etsy business or how many sales you've actually had. There are always ways to improve, and I am definitely in the camp of people who thinks that there are certain steps that you need to take and they really need to be taken in order. So if you are just starting and you don't have a whole lot of sales, there are certain things you need to do to sort of get that ball rolling. But if you are further along and you have inconsistent sales, there are different things you need to do. And if you are even further along and you have very consistent sales, but you want to scale up, then there are other things that you need to do in that area. So I do not think that marketing across the board, no matter what stage you're in in your business, is the right thing to do. I think that there are different things that you need to work on on different stages. The first, very first advice before we really dive into the four different stages that I think that most people fall under is that I will tell you that I think that it's a good idea to pick one thing at a time to work on. When you try to see this overarching huge picture of all the things you need to do and all the different, the whole path that you need to take or all the different steps along the way, it becomes very overwhelming and it's hard for people to just put one foot in front of the other when they're overwhelmed. So to defeat that overwhelm, the very, very best advice that I have is to just focus on that one thing in front of you, the next best choice, the next best step for your business. Not looking at everybody else, not looking at all the things that other people are doing or the different ways that they're juggling all these different aspects of their business, but just the next best step for your business. So I want to kick that off with the first step that I think this is what I'm calling stage one. You are a newbie seller or you are maybe you haven't even really opened your shop yet or you just opened, but you haven't really had any sales. You haven't had any sales to strangers. If you have had sales, like maybe they're just to your friends or your family that you know in real life. The main goal at this stage in your business is to figure out what your primary product is and how that product fits into a vision for your overall business. So I would really advise you to be getting a lot of feedback from people around you about your products, about how you can improve them, about what they like about them and who they think would be buying them. I did a whole episode about this not that long ago. It was episode number 32, Questions for Constructive Criticism. You can find that at creativemomboss.com forward slash episode 032. And I go through all the different questions that I think that you can ask people that you know or your family or whoever that can help you to really narrow down your products and find a product that works for your shop that is going to be unique to you or have your own spin on it, but not so unique that nobody's actually looking for it on Etsy. 
I also want you to be thinking through a plan or a vision for your business. What kind of job are you creating for yourself? I am always telling people that they should just jump in and take the first steps because so, so many people get stuck making a plan but not actually taking any action. So they get stuck in this sort of planning stage where they're taking up all of their time thinking about what they're gonna be doing, but they're not actually doing anything. So I have a lot of advice out there that you need to jump in, you need to take the first steps, you can always figure things out later. And I do think that that's true. But if you are not somebody that's gonna get stuck in that planning stage, I do think that it's a good idea to sort of think through your vision for what your business is. What is your goal in creating this job? Are you creating a side hobby that's gonna be some extra income for your family? Are you looking to create a part-time job? Are you looking to create a full-time job? Are you looking to build this business into six figures and beyond? Not that you're going to do that right away and not that you have to deal with all of the challenges that come with that right away, but in terms of thinking through the products that you're gonna be creating for your shop, I do think that it's really good to have a vision for how far you wanna take this and what your ultimate goal is. There are a lot of people who do not have the ultimate goal of having a full-time job. They want this to stay a part-time job and they want to have a creative process and a creative energy that goes along with it. That's fun for them, they enjoy it, they don't need the money from a full-time job, or they don't want the time commitment of a full-time job, and so they want this to be a hobby, crafting, creative business, and that's great. But that is a different kind of business plan than somebody like me who says, I want to be able to make the most amount of sales in the shortest amount of time that I can, and that creative process is not as important for me. So I am not necessarily getting a whole lot of creative inspiration from the products that I'm making. I have three products in my shop and I do them over and over and over and over again. For somebody who really prioritizes that creative vision and that creative energy for their shop, that would be horrible for them. They would be so bored and it would end up being a chore for them. For somebody like me, the creative part is very stressful and I didn't really enjoy going back and forth with customers taking custom orders and having to go through this whole process of bringing their vision to life. So it really depends on where you want to go with your shop and what you want to do with it. And you may not know this right off the bat, but I do think that a lot of people have a sort of overarching goal of where they wanna be with it and what they want to do with it. And a lot of times that involves where you are in your family life, where what kind of season of life you're in, if you have very young children or older children or you're retired or whatever. So just give that a little bit of thought because it does play a part in the kinds of products that you create for your business and the kind of business that you're designing. And again, I don't want you to get stuck here. I don't want you to get stuck daydreaming without really thinking about any kind of action or without taking any action. But I think that when you start diving into the logistics of running a business, it's important that the products that you carry match up with that long-term vision for what you want to do. And if your goal is to, for instance, make $200,000 a year in sales, 
then making handmade quilts is probably not going to be profitable enough for you to do that. It's going to be too time consuming to make those products at that level. So I think it's something that you need to give a basic amount of thought to. And it also helps to clarify your goals for your shop and the steps forward that you take because you're not necessarily, you know, if you're a hobby crafter or a side business part-time person, you're not going to be necessarily doing the same things as somebody who wants to have $200,000 in sales. Those are different goals. And so the steps that you take in doing them are different. The next stage, number stage number two, is that you have some random sales, but you don't really have consistent sales and you have low traffic numbers and low traffic and sales overall. The main goal in this stage of your business is to really figure out who you are marketing to. And I always, always, always recommend to people that they niche down. It is very rare that I see a shop that has niched too far down. Usually it is the opposite and they are much, much too broad and too general and they're really not marketing to anybody. They're just marketing to like the more general anybody. So think about different brands that you see in like popular culture at the mall, whatever. Pottery Barn versus West Elm. Nordstrom versus Sears. Target versus Walmart. There are markets for almost any niche of customer and you do not have to appeal to every single person. Think about something like Cabela's. There is a very, very, if you're not familiar with Cabela's, it's like a hunting outdoorsy store that's like all camo. There's a very specific customer who is a fan of Cabela's and they are not trying to appeal to everybody, but the person who likes Cabela's loves it. That is their thing. That is their place. They are who that store is advertising to. Target and Walmart sell almost the exact same thing, but the way that they market to their customers and the kind of customer that they're trying to attract is different. You don't have to appeal to everybody. You just have to figure out who your shop appeals to and then market to that person. Your marketing should be across all of the branding that you do, the vibe of your shop, the colors, the fonts, the logos, the graphics, the social media, the way you wrap your packages, your communication with your customer. It should all go back to that branding vision and that dream customer that you establish. And again, that does not have to be the same person. It doesn't even have to be the same person if you have the exact same products as somebody else, or you have the exact same niche as somebody else. There are other Etsy coaches in this same niche as I am in who have a totally different way of approaching it. They are really snarky and in your face and use really loud colors and big fonts and like they're kind of yelling at you. And then there's me, and then there's other people who are like super sweet and and different than me. You know, they're like gonna sugarcoat it a little bit more than I do maybe. There is somebody for everybody. Literally, I feel like the internet is like your oyster. Like you can find your dream customer. You just have to know who that dream customer is. And 
you, this goes back to the customer experience, which is super important in your Etsy shop. You want to be able to know who you're marketing to and then have that person super interested in your product and buy your product and have a great customer experience and then they're repeat customers and then they share it with friends and then it continues to grow. But the very first step in establishing that is to really understand who your dream customer is and how you can find that person. The next step, step number three or stage number three of building your Etsy shop and growing your sales is when you have still inconsistent sales, but overall higher sales numbers and more overall revenue, though it is still not super reliable at this point or it is reliable, but it's not at the level you like. So maybe you have $1,000 a month in sales and you can pretty much count on $1,000 a month in sales every month, but you'd really like to get to two or three or 5,000 and you're kind of stuck at this level, it's plateaued. The main goal here is to drive more traffic and build a community and increase your conversions. So what you're doing is working, it's just working on a smaller level and you want to be able to up-level that. I would first recommend that you absolutely look at your SEO. The single most important way to drive traffic to your Etsy shop is your SEO. Etsy has a huge built-in market. They have millions of buyers looking to buy things. And so by harnessing the power of that Etsy search engine, you can really increase your traffic to your shop by a lot. The Etsy SEO is made up of your titles, your tags, the attributes in your listings, which are your the drop-down boxes in your listing, and offering free shipping to U.S. buyers. Those are the four most important parts. We've talked about SEO extensively, and I will continue to harp on it. It is the foundation of your Etsy shop. However, if you're already having, let's say, $1,000 a month in sales, chances are probably at least some of your SEO is fine because you're having a decent number of sales. You're having a decent amount of traffic coming to your shop by way of your search or whatever. So do not mess with, you never ever want to mess with the listings that are selling well. Even if you look at them and you say, I don't know why that one's selling well, like I don't particularly like that picture or I don't actually think that 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 SEO is optimized that great. If it's working, don't change it. Hey guys, I just want to jump on here really quick and tell you that I have a brand new checklist all about SEO. If SEO is something that you are struggling with, like so many Etsy sellers, hop on over to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash checklist and download that Etsy SEO checklist. All right, back to the episode. There are so many pieces and so many, so much of the puzzle of SEO that we don't know exactly what goes into it. So even if you look at it and you think this doesn't make sense, just keep it as long as it's working. But the ones that are not working that don't have any sales or don't have a huge amount of traffic, you can look on the dashboard of your Etsy shop when you go to your listings tab there's a little toggle switch um, that you can look at the stats for the listings and it will tell you how many times it's been renewed, how much money in sales you've had of that product, et cetera. So go through the ones that are not working that well and revamp them. Look at those titles, look at those tags, look at the attributes and the free shipping. Make sure that your description is appealing to your buyer. Make sure that the picture looks good. Revamp those to appeal 
to that dream customer that you've laid out and sort of that vision for your whole shop. The next step in the same stage is to really begin to work on building a community. If you have fairly consistent sales, but not sales at the level that you want, building the community can really take it to the next level. However, I do have to say that this is a long range plan. Kind of all of these in this stage are a long range plan at this point but you want to begin to build a community of fans and followers. You can do this on Facebook or Instagram. I personally would recommend Instagram. I think that it's a better way of doing it. It's easier to connect with people and it's easier to get organic traffic to it at this point. These could be your special insiders. They could be VIPs, past customers. Hopefully you're also um, encouraging new followers or organic traffic from the app to come over and like you. You want to have a community that you engage with and that will give you feedback. They can tell you what they like, what they don't like. They can vote on a new product line. They can share with you maybe something that complements your product that they would love to see. You know, if you sell baby bows, maybe they wanna see headbands. If you sell swaddle blankets, maybe they wanna see bibs. They will also share your products with friends. They will engage in your giveaways and tag their friends and share it on their feed. These are your people. And the more that you can connect with those people and the more that that group of people grows, although it will grow slowly, but they are really your raving fans. They're the ones that will comment on every picture. They will participate in everything that you do. They'll answer all your Instagram stories, questions, or the quizzes or whatever. They're your people. And as long as you have a core foundation that really follows your shop and engages with you and loves what you're doing, that will continue to grow. And it's kind of a snowball effect. Like those people will come back. They'll be repeat buyers. They'll buy gifts for their friends. They really form the foundational piece of your shop. The next thing that I would recommend if you are in this stage is to start an email list. I have done episodes in the past about email lists and told you that this is really a next level marketing tool. So if you are new to Etsy, if you have inconsistent sales or you don't have a lot of sales or you're just getting started, don't dive into email lists. Email lists are an up-leveling tool. They are not really a beginner tool. However, they can be effective in the long haul, especially if you have seasonal products that change every season and you have a lot of repeat customers or you're in a niche where you could potentially have a lot of repeat customers. So I'm thinking something like baby outfits, headbands, that kind of thing, wreaths or decor, doormats, you know, house things that are gonna be changing seasonally. If you are, for instance, in the wedding industry and most likely you're only gonna sell a product to somebody one time because hopefully they're only getting married one time, then this is probably not gonna be as effective. So I think this is more effective for things that change out seasonally and I think it's more effective for shops that change out their products seasonally. So for me, for example, I have the same products all year long. I have a limited number of products and I have a lot of people that buy them as baby gifts. Email lists are not a super effective marketing tool for me because people are buying them when they need to buy them for a gift. They're not buying them just because I sent them an email with new options because they're not buying them for themselves. But I will also say that the thing with an email list is that it can be very time consuming and it also takes a lot of time to build an email list. 
So this is for sure not a get rich quick method. It is not going to be an overnight sensation. You are not all of a sudden going to have like a thousand people sign up for your email list. It is something that grows over time and your engagement with those people and your connection with them grows over time. But it is also another way, just like we talked about with building a community, it's another way for them to engage with you. If you write them an email and you ask them a question or you have them give their feedback or respond to you, it gives you the opportunity to open that dialogue between you and the customer and to really um, build that connection and build that community. The last thing I will say in this stage of your business is ads. If you are having decent sales and decent conversions, so you have a proven product on Etsy, you know that people like it and you know that when people can see it, they will buy it. I would recommend doing some ads and I would always recommend that you start with Etsy ads, which incorporate both Etsy and Google. At this point, they've combined them. So if you sign up with the Etsy ads, which is on the marketing tab of your dashboard, then they will run those ads to both Etsy and Google. That is gonna be the cheapest way to do it. It's also gonna be the easiest way. You don't really have to do anything other than select which listings you want to run and give your budget. I would always, always, always recommend that you run ads to the products that are already selling well. Don't use ads to boost listings that are not selling well or not converting well because it won't work. If you can't get organic sales and organic conversions, so if you can't get somebody to come in and buy it without an ad, having an ad is not usually gonna make it work. So you, it's, it seems kind of counterintuitive because you think these items are already selling well, so I'll run ads to the other ones and we'll even it out. But the best way to do it is to run ads to your best selling items. If you're ready to open a whole nother can of worms, Facebook ads can be an effective tool as well, but they are more expensive than Etsy ads and they are much, much more complicated to set up. So that is a really next level marketing technique. If anybody wants to talk about Facebook ads with me, get in touch and if I have enough interest, I can talk about them. I like Facebook ads. I semi understand them. I would say I like 70% understand them, Um, but they are for sure complicated and not something that you can just dabble in and have any sort of measurable results. The next stage is number four. The goal of stage number four is to figure out how to scale up your business. So at this point, if you are in stage number four, you have thousands of dollars in monthly sales, your sales maybe even are getting to the point where you are totally overwhelmed and you're thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna keep up with this or I don't know, where do I go from here? Like, where where does my business, what does this look like a year from now? I can't keep growing at this rate and I'm overwhelmed and I'm taking too much time in this business and I'm not having a good work-life balance. So if you are in stage number four, congratulations, first of all, because that's an awesome place to be in, but... I also remember when I was in stage four and people would say, you know, when they would say, how's your shop going? Oh, it's going, you know, it's going good. I'm working a lot. Oh, that's a good problem to have. And I remember thinking like, it's a good problem to have to a certain extent. There is a limit to when it's not a good problem to have anymore. It's a great problem to have, to have a ton of demand for your products. It's a great problem to have, to have a very busy business, but 
you don't want to stay in that point where you're overwhelmed and you're stressed and your business can't grow anymore because you're completely maxed out. So the main goal at this stage of your business is to really streamline your business so that you can maximize your sales and profits and minimize your time investment in the business. A lot of this goes back to some of the simpler things that we've talked about in the beginning, batching your product creation. So if you can make a lot of products at the same time or a lot of the same product at the same time, it's going to be faster than jumping from one product to the next product to the next product. The big things that I would tell you to do at this stage of your business are to get rid of your lower profit items. And sometimes that means getting rid of products that make you a decent profit, but they take too long to make. So a lot of times people have trouble quantifying the price of their time and the value of their time. So they're saying, well, I make $20 by making this item. Okay, but how long does it take you to make it? And if you have a product that makes you $10, but it only takes you a fourth of the amount of time, that's a better product to scale up with. So you have to look at what's working for your shop and what your profit margins are on each product that you're making or each product that you're making really frequently. I would also really highly recommend that you look at reducing your expenses. If you are at the point that you're producing a lot of the same items, you can look at, at going wholesale and being able to buy items wholesale or buying um, blanks or pieces of your product or supplies from overseas. It's gonna be more cost effective to buy things from overseas. I know a lot of people like to buy things from the United States or buy things locally, but if you are running a business, it's important for you to lower your expenses to increase your profit margins. And if you're looking at trying to scale up, that's going to be even more important. I will caveat that by saying that if your business is built around having all made in the USA, all produced in the USA things, then obviously that's not gonna be the same. It is dependent upon the values of your business and the values that you project to your customer and that you share with your customer. The next thing that I would say is to increase your speed of production. Look at what you're making. How can you make this faster? For me, that meant going from a one needle embroidery machine to a six needle embroidery machine, and then two of them, and then three of them. And now I have four six needle embroidery machines that are running at the same time. Obviously, my ability to have a much faster speed of production is going to increase exponentially when I have four commercial machines running at the same time. That's allowed me to increase my hourly production a huge amount. And so increasing your speed of production, again, this goes back to the value of your time. If you can produce twice as much stuff in the same amount of time or half of the amount of time, then that is going to increase your hourly production. It's going to increase your ability to scale your shop and to increase your sales. If you're maxed out in time, you need to look at the ways that you can increase that speed of production. Another way of doing this, which I have never dabbled in because quite frankly, it's kind of scary to me and I work out of my basement and I don't really want other people in my house with me, but another way of doing it is to hire people to work with you. Maybe you have a mom friend at the preschool who wants a couple hours of doing something. Maybe you have some unskilled part of what you're doing. So 
you have somebody that comes in that just cuts fabric for you or just lays things out for you or separates the supplies that go into each product. Like I'm envisioning making wreaths and you have all these different flowers and stuff that go into your wreaths. Maybe you have somebody that just separates each one so that all you have to do is go through like an assembly line and glue all the pieces together. Or you have somebody that does inventory and bookkeeping and that kind of stuff. Outsource the simplest thing first. I outsourced my bookkeeping. That was a huge time suck for me, although I don't find it to be particularly difficult. I do find it to be incredibly tedious. So I outsourced that to my CPA. I don't have to think about it anymore. When you are in this position that you're scaling up, there are a lot of ways of doing it and it's really dependent upon your business. But this is really the point at which you say like, There is an endless amount of opportunities and you have to figure out how to make this business work for you. And also you have to really figure out at that point what your vision is for the business. Because a lot of times when you're in stage four, you feel like the business is totally consuming your life. You feel like it's like a treadmill that the speed is just increasing and you're like sprinting to keep up and you're about to fly off the back of it. So it is really, really important then to wrap your head around what your goals are for your business and then to draw those boundaries. And we talk about boundaries a lot on this podcast for that reason, because it's very important to me that your business always fits in with your vision for your family and not the other way around. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you today, no matter where you are in your Etsy shop journey or what you're struggling with to move to that next step in your business. If SEO is that thing and you are struggling with it like so many Etsy sellers, be sure to check out that checklist at laurenkeplinger.com forward slash checklist. All right, that is all for now. And I will see you back here on the podcast next week. Bye for now.